Hello and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies with your speaker, Chris McCann. If you'd like more information or to hear more studies, visit our website at www.ebiblefellowship.com. And now, with your evening Bible study, here's Chris McCann. Good evening and welcome to eBible Fellowship's Bible Study in the book of Proverbs, chapter 23, verse 18. Tonight is study number four. And Proverbs 23:18 says, For surely there is an end, and thine expectation shall not be cut off. The Hebrew word translated as expectation, Strong's number 8615, is sometimes translated as hope. Um, for instance, in Job, in Job chapter 7, this is speaking of Job, who is a picture of the Lord Jesus under the wrath of God, and while he is suffering the wrath of God, it's as though he has no hope. It says in Job 7, verse 6, My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. And also in Job, in Job 8, verse 13, it says, So are the paths of all that forget God, and the hypocrites' hope shall perish. And that is the implication in this proverb, Proverbs 23:18, that surely there is an end, and thine expectation, speaking to the child of God, to the elect, shall not be cut off. And the implication is, if you're not one of God's elect, if you're a wicked person, your hope will be cut off, and your expectation will be cut off. And what is the expectation of the unsaved? It is the expectation that their houses will continue forever, according to a psalm. They they think um, that they don't um, actually reason this out, but deep down. Man believes he's not going to die. It, 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 death always takes him by uh, a terrible surprise. And why is that when we all know that, that everyone dies and um, every day there's evidence of that and proof of that and all past generations have have disappeared off the face of the earth through death, yet people continually think, well, not today, not today, because deep down he he has that feeling his house is going to last forever, as well as the earth. The earth, his portion is in this world, and man um, thinks that the world will never end. Uh, if you If you ask the secular man, he'll say that the world began billions of years ago, and will continue for billions more before it wears out. And if you're talking about billions of years in the past and billions of years in the future, you're talking about eternity. And that's the deep down thought of the unsaved, that this world will continue. And yet their expectation of the continuation of earth and life will be cut off. 
but it's not so of a child of God. And the child of God's expectation is not concerning life in this world, not his physical life, and not this physical world. And uh, the, the child of God's expectation is much more. Now, here is the hope or expectation of the believer, as God says in Psalm 119, in verse 49. Well, this is where the child of God, the individual that God has saved, finds his hope. It says in Psalm 119, verse 49, Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. The word of God, the Bible, is given to the people of God, and within this word we we are given cause to hope um, for various things, various incredible things. It says in Psalm 130, in... Uh, verse 5, I wait for Jehovah, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. In his word, it says again, in the Bible, the people of God hope. Do we hope like the people of the world hope in evolution because some brilliant scientist has, has uh, come up with uh, a theory that says that the world has been here for so long and will can No, we have no hope in that. Do we hope in living to a hundred because our, uh, our, our parents lived to a ripe old age and we're healthy and taking care of our, our physical health as much as possible? No, we have no hope in that. Um, it, it's a measly number to live to a hundred. What what kind of hope is that? The child of God doesn't hope in the things of the world, not in the world's philosophies, not in the world's science, not in in the world's promises or dreams. They're all relatively a, a, a pittance. They're they're nothing when compared over and against the things we read about in the Bible. You you really have to take a huge step down make that um many many thousands and upon thousands of steps down to lower yourself to um base your debase yourself in a way uh, to come down from the hope that the bible talks about to the the common hopes of man the typical expectation of the earthly individual to uh, to hope to make some money and to buy some things and and to hope to have a family and a house and and to hope to live to a good old age in retirement and then die of course they they don't emphasize the death part compared to the bible the bible's hope is incredibly superior it's incredibly greater it's an exceeding weight of glory compared to a speck of dust that there there is no comparison and that's why the things that the bible talks about the the hope that it gives uh, 
bring comfort to the reader, to the elect that God draws to his word. As it says in Romans chapter 15, in verse 4, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. We read the Bible, and the Bible gives us hope. It gives us hope concerning the resurrection, the resurrection of the dead, and it comforts us concerning death and and those that have gone before us, our family members perhaps, or, or others uh, that we've known who have died. The, the child of God can have some hope uh, in um, others who, who have passed away and gone to the grave. As God says in First Thessalonians chapter 4, in verse 13, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others, which have no hope. Now, the the people of the world have no hope concerning death and, and that which comes after, especially today, as more and more people in the world live and, and believe this is it. They're, they're atheists, they're secularists and agnostics and, and whatever. They have no hopes that are trying to live it up all the while they can during their few short days here. And and, and so God says, um, brethren, don't be ignorant concerning them which are asleep, those that have physically died, that you sorrow not as others, the unsaved people. And then the Lord goes on to say in verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. And where is our hope found? Thy word which upon which thou hast caused me to hope. And here God is giving us his word in which we hope. Again, it says in 1 Thessalonians 4.15, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then... We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And remember what Romans 15 said, that we through comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And then it says in verse 18, the last verse, following this passage that is describing the resurrection, the rapture, the end of the world. And, and notice that, that what God says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. And how tragic it is that professed Christians say, why do you have to keep focusing on the end? 
But why are you always talking about the end of the world? And there, there's other things, you know, and other, of course, we, we just talk about whatever the Bible brings before us, but, but there is at, at this time a strong emphasis upon the end. And yet it's not the end for the child of God. It's the beginning. It's a new heaven and a new earth and a new resurrected body. And it's being a new creature in a new land forevermore. And these things comfort the child of God. They are the source of our hope. They're the source of our hope. Um, when the Apostle Paul was um, defending himself before King Agrippa, he came before him and he says in Acts 26, I'll start reading in verse 4, My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, know all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning. If they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion, I lived a Pharisee. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise are twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night, hope to come, for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And, and then he continues on. And you see, it was all about the resurrection of the dead. The very hope that the tribes of Israel would have admitted to and confessed and said, yes, we, we look for God to raise the dead. He's, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but of the living and so forth. And for the very hope's sake, because Paul believed that Christ rose from the dead, the, the firstborn from the dead is what the Bible says of Jesus, the firstborn of many brethren, as all of the people of God will likewise rise from the dead or be raptured, um, translated at the very end, those that are alive and remaining, as we read in 1 Thessalonians 4. And it was for this hope's sake that he was persecuted by the church of his day, Israel, and was turned over to the Roman authorities because he not only believed the the word of God, the Bible, but he acted upon it and he trusted in it. Whereas national Israel just gave it lip service. They would mouth the words, oh yes, we're looking for a Messiah. We're, we have hope in a resurrection of the dead. And they didn't believe it. They didn't trust in it. And, and, and the historical account in the Bible proves it. They they were unregenerate men, natural-minded individuals that loved this world, that clung and, and cleaved to the things of the earth and did not love the word of God, 
nor have trust and hope in the scriptures that God gives his people. And it's the same thing today. Why is it that God's people are looking at dates? Why is it that we're involved with date setting? Oh, the church, it, it, it's, it's just the topic that annoys them no end, that there's people that won't listen to them, that won't hearken to their uh, declaration, no man knows the day or hour, but continually keep looking. It's undoubtedly a source of frustration with them, and they lash out in anger and reviling against those people. Heretics they are, of Satan they they quickly proclaim, and yet these people are following the the Bible's directive in Second Peter three, looking for and hasting unto the coming day of God looking for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. This is what God's people have been commanded by God to do, to look for Christ because he is our hope. And we hope in a day of resurrection. We hope in the rapture of the living on that same day. We hope for new resurrected bodies, all of us. We hope for the fulfillment of the promised land, the promise given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the promise of a new heaven and a new earth where there is no more sin and no more sorrow and pain and sickness and death. We hope for these things because the Word of God, the Bible, tells us about them. The Word of God, the Bible, has laid them all out. It is all according to the promises of God that God's people hope in and look forward to with good expectation. And it is for this that when God opens up information from His Word that points to a day, and as we mentioned before, not not just any time in history, but at a time when the church entire, the whole corporate body, is apostate. And and not little apostate, but terribly apostate. Apostate beyond recovery. The church is dead all over the face of the earth, matching the Bible's description. And God's people look for and are hasting unto the coming day of God at a time when the world has been given up to gross iniquity, to horrible sin, to abounding transgression like never before in the history of the earth. Not just a little increased iniquity, but an increase of iniquity and an increase of the coldness of man's hearts that that is astoundingly wicked, astoundingly evil. You you could pile together the the world of Noah's day and a million cities of Sodom, and it would not equal the tremendous evil that is presently all over the face of the earth according to the Word of God. The Word of God says in Romans 1 and Matthew 24, and 
in Revelation 13 and elsewhere, it, it describes the end time generation and the characteristic of the end is incredibly increased wickedness among the inhabitants of the earth. Therefore, it causes God's people to hope. Yes, I know. Uh, we, uh, on one hand, we're grieved by the condition of, of the church. On the other, it produces hope in us because we see we must be there. And on one hand, we're, we're, uh, vexed and grieved by the sin everywhere around us, especially to this magnitude. And on the other hand, it produces hope in us because we know when men marry men, and women marry women. We are at the end of the world according to the word of God that gives us hope. And then when the word of the Lord opens up a biblical calendar and lays it out across, spread out as a framework within this present day of evil in the church and the world, and we see key biblical timelines and events all mapped out, falling in perfect harmony, we have hope that we are there. We're not hoping in man. We're not hoping in anything else but the Word of God, which gives us hope. Hope of eternal life. As it says in Titus, in uh, Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. That's what we're hoping for is coming. Of course, when God saves us, he's, he's given his people eternal life. We know that. But we're looking for the next step for the completion of our salvation, for the entry into the glorious eternal future that awaits. And so we look longingly with um, good hope towards October 7th, 2015, as a day in which God may bring the scriptures to fulfillment. The day in which he may complete not only his judgment, but complete all things that have ever been spoken in the word of God regarding this earth, all the promises that he has said to his people. Also in Titus, it says in Titus 2, in verse 11 and following, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us, that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. There it is again. God is saying, that, that uh, speaking to his people, while you're in the world... Live soberly, righteously, godly in the present world and in our present lives, wherever God has placed us. But don't forget, 
looking for, looking for that intense look, that blessed hope, and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. See, we're we're looking for the appearing, and that's why the people of God are are uh, at this time going to their Bibles, the Bibles that give comfort of hope. And they're seeing that all things are in place, all things are lining up, all things are pointing to a specific day, and now we're, we're lifting our eyes up. We're directing our gaze towards heaven, as it says in Luke 21. Of course, that's figuratively in Luke 21. It says in verse 25, And there shall be signs in the sun, and in the moon, and in the stars, and upon the earth distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Now the the signs are not in the heavens above, but they're in the Bible. Because it's the Bible that gives us hope. And God is saying, because Luke 21 is the parallel passage to Matthew 24, And in Matthew 24, the disciples asked Jesus, What shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Luke 21 is telling us the signs. The signs that are not, again, in the sky, in the heaven, the the physical sky, uh, because, uh, no, God does not permit that. An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after an outward sign like that. The only sign the Bible permits is the sign of the the prophet Jonah. And you have to read the Bible to learn that sign. That is, the sign that God allows are the signs found within the scriptures themselves. And it's from the Bible that we have learned in these days after the tribulation that on May 21, 2011... The light of the gospel went out all over the earth, and the the sun was darkened, and the moon did not give its light, and the stars fell. And from the Bible, we now have the sign of the coming of the Son of Man. And, and so it says in verse 27, And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. And... Again, we see him on the pages of the Bible. The, the word cloud in the Bible from Numbers 9 is related to the commandments of God. And the word coming here is um, a, a present passive middle participle. It, it uh, indicates an ongoing continuous action because Christ has been coming in judgment since May 21, over a prolonged period of time. And and so, we see the sign, we see Christ coming in the scriptures as the judge of all the earth, and, and coming continually. And then in verse 28, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Now, that verse makes sense with a spiritual understanding of 
the signs being understood in the scriptures, the Christ coming in the clouds being understood in the scriptures. It makes absolutely no sense if the previous verses were literal and there was a literal darkening of the sun and you could literally see Christ coming in a cloud above and you're, you're looking up, you're then to lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh. Well, that would be your redemption. But when we understand all these according to the word of God, the Bible, and we realize all in due time, according to times and seasons, God must fulfill all things. He must complete his judgment. He must spiritually observe and fulfill the Feast of Tabernacles in the last day. That's why he tied together the, that phrase, the last day, with I will raise you up at the last day, the resurrection at the last day, the great day of the feast, the last day, Jesus said in John 7. And and so when we see all these things come together in the word of God, in which we hope, and in, in that which gives us comfort and hope, then look up, look up, looking for and hasting unto the coming day of God. Thanks for joining us for eBible Fellowship's Evening Bible Studies. You can hear these studies Monday through Friday over PalTalk, Skype, eBible Fellowship's webcast audio, or over your phone. For more information or to hear other studies, visit www.ebiblefellowship.com. Until our next study, may the Lord's perfect will be done.